Isaiah chapter 9. Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. While you're turning there, I want to do want to remind you tonight at 6 o'clock, our Inside Out Christmas presentation. Come and bring your babies and your children, and we're going to all come in here. We're believing for a packed house, so if you're late, we hope you don't have a seat, okay? Come here early and, and come with us. We're praying that you won't have a seat tonight if you're not here at, at 556 o'clock. We want this place to be full. Our team has worked hard on that, and, and they're ready to roll and present it one more time. Had a great crowd last night, um, had a great time last night, ended with a great moment, and we're going to do the same again tonight. If you know somebody with children or you have friends and family and they don't have anything going on tonight, bring them to Christmas Inside Out with us. Next week is gumbo and I always love that. All the proceeds will go to the welcome house. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. You saw it on the video but let me read it in the New King James Version. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, verse 7, we're just going to read these three words. In verse 7, I want you to read them with me. Um, and and we, I'll stop right there. Just read these three words. I'll probably do it three times. You ready? Of the increase. Okay, that was good. All four of you. That was awesome. Let's try it again. Verse 7. Ready? Of the increase. Third time's a charm. Let's try it one more time. Of the increase. Okay, I wanted you to say that out loud because I want you to speak it over yourself. I wanted you to essentially prophesy those words over yourself. And this is going to sound a little bit like a TBN message this morning, okay? That's my disclaimer, okay? But this is specifically what I believe the Lord spoke to me to preach today. And, and here's, as I began to dive into it, I began to write out this message, I, I began to receive some things and realize some things that I didn't even really see coming. The first thing that I noticed was in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for unto us a child is born, right? A son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, okay? That already happened, okay? That's already done. That happened in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago plus in counting, okay? Verse 7, there's like a 2,000-year gap in. Okay, because his kingdom did not just come, but it's still coming. There's 2,000 years of advancement that are still in progress between verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 9 and the prophecy of verse 7, that of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. That is the 2,000-year the progressive prophecy that has taken place. And guess what? We get to be part of the increase. Our lives are part of the increase. What God did yesterday is not just doesn't have to be what tides us over into to tomorrow. We can have today. We can increase from where we were and into where we're going. Come on, are you with me? This was Isaiah's prophecy that came alive that began in Luke chapter 2 and is extending into 2018 and beyond until we hear the trump of the Lord. Okay? It's an increase that God God wants us as his people to operate in. I said it this way at times in the past. If you're not growing stronger in your relationship with God, then you are growing stagnant in your relationship with God. Because in the kingdom, there is no such thing as maintenance work. Okay? I've tried maintenance work. I try it when I'm like working out seasonally. Like if I just try to maintain what I had, my belly gets bigger, my arms get smaller. Okay? And my face shrinks so I grow my beard out more. That's just what I do. 
It's not maintenance does not work in the kingdom of God. No more than it works in any other area of life. Things are either getting better or they're not getting better. Okay. Now, he's still God of the mountain, God of the valley, even in your lowest moment. He's there with you to take you out and take you to the next phase. But God doesn't want you to just have an established moment. He wants to increase that moment into something more. Isaiah's prophecy came alive in Luke chapter 2. Listen, when Jesus came, he came to give life and to give it in abundance. Luke, uh, John 10.10, 10, that's increase. Okay, He came to not to... The Bible says he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, to expand it, to increase it to a place that it's never been before, to accomplish things that it's never accomplished. But come on, somebody to accomplish things in in the future that you could have never even imagined or dreamed of in the past to increase in your relationship with Jesus so that he can increase in your influence on this earth. He came not to abolish the law, but fulfill it. I tell you, Jesus said, I tell you not to just not look at a woman, but if you even look at her, you lust for her in your heart, and therefore you commit adultery with her. That's 528. See, he took the law and the principle, and he increased it to a place that they had never really considered it before. They had patted themselves on the back for the things that they've accomplished in the past, but Jesus knew he didn't want you to live on yesterday's testimony, that he had an increase in your life for tomorrow's testimony, and if you were going to increase in him, you had to increase through him. Are you with me? Luke chapter 11, verse 42. This is a New Living Translation. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. He says, what sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe, even the tiniest income for your herbs and gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. It's increase. Not just what you've done before. Not just requiring the 10% or the 30% or the 23% or however you want to interpret the Old Testament principle of the tithe. And I've been all through all of them, studied all of them, and I'm just going to stick to what I believe and, and we're going to practice that principle and watch God provide. But he says you should tithe, okay? Or how about this, just to make it simpler, because Jesus said just to give as the Lord has purposed it in your heart. So whatever that looks like, you should give that first fruit, time, talent, treasure. Give that first fruit of generosity. The most important thing, the best thing, give that first and give that back to God and let him bless the rest because he's going to get it one way or another. You're going to pay that whether you give it into the kingdom or you pay it here into the earthly kingdom because other things are going wrong or going on and you're going to lose it anyway, you may as well let it redeem the rest and be on purpose blessed by God. He says you should. You should give. You should tithe. You should sow. Yes, but increase. Like that's just just like the, the, the first thing to do. You should not neglect the more important things. Do those. Yeah, sure. Obviously. But don't neglect the more important which is the issue of the heart. And he expands upon this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. Y'all knew I, was, y'all knew I bit tithing in there somewhere, didn't you? <laughs> it's like, what's that have to do with, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Now watch. Unless your righteousness exceeds that or is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law or the Pharisees, the Bible says you will not inherit or you will not enter and watch this unless you increase in your relationship with Jesus 
you will not operate in his will for your life in this place. Because you're not going to begin a new season stronger than you ended the last one. Like we're not going to wake up January 1st and be closer to Jesus because it's January 1st. We're going to wake up January 1st and be closer to Jesus because of the things that we did in December to prepare for His coming that we celebrate on the 25th. And then we're going to continue into the new year and operate in new things. I think Jesus is saying it this way. What you've always done is not your destiny. What you've already accomplished is not all that I have for you. It's incredible that we had uh, uh, broke 400 for the first time in, in our, our stint here in the fall. It's incredible that we baptized 35 people and that people have had testimonies of healing and, and being baptized in the Holy Spirit and praying in a language that they never knew and receiving spiritual gifts. And, and they would come back and tell us that they learned how to give for the first time in their lives and they're seeing God being faithful. That's great, but that's yesterday's testimony that should have an effect on what we do today and influence the people in our tomorrow. So so we want to increase from there. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that I don't have to live in my past. I can learn from my past, live in the present, and look to my future. Because what God has painted for me on the horizon. I'm going to add this in. Did you know Elijah never saw himself on the Mount of Transfiguration? Did you know that Moses thought he was going to die and never enter into the promised land? But Jesus had a different vision for Elijah and Moses. See, Jesus looked at Elijah and Moses and said, I'm going to meet you on the mountaintop, baby. You may feel like you're dying and everybody else is receiving a double portion around you and everything's going, who am I speaking to today? I'm telling you, there's a mountaintop moment ahead of you, a mount of transfiguration, but that ain't going to be where you get to build your temple. You're going to have to come down and you're going to preach on the day of Pentecost just like Peter. It is good for me that I'm here. <laughs> That's what Peter said. He thought, he like, yeah, Jesus let me be here. No, 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 look. God let you be a part of something in the past so that you could influence somebody else to be a part of it in the future. What you've always done is not your destiny. Continuing to do the same thing that you've always done is not going to get you where God wants to take you. This is referenced with John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he had a powerful relationship with Jesus. Right? I mean, this dude like left his home, left his family. He's like eating bugs off of trees, okay? Dressed in camel fur. And why a camel? Like, what? Wait, how about sheep, man? Those are soft. Camels aren't soft. I mean, if you ever petted a camel, that's not like, oh, you smell so nice and you're so sweet and soft. I'm going to make a coat out of you. Like, where do you even get that from? It was like a camel laying there. He's like, well, I'm cold. That looks good enough. You know, well, how did that work? Why did he do that? I don't know. What made him start baptizing people in the Jordan River? I can tell you, God did. It didn't make sense to anybody else. And it might have made some people uncomfortable. Like, I can imagine John the Baptist wasn't like a scent that you would want to bottle, okay? Like in in Jerusalem at that time. It's like, hey, pick up your John the Baptist here, bugs and camel hair, right here for you. No. It was different than anything that had ever been done before. And yet it had more of an impact than anything had ever had before. Because he was willing to just simply obey God. 
Whatever God told him to do, he was willing by peace to obey God. But even John the Baptist and all those things that he was doing, in John chapter 3, verse 30, the apostle records that John the Baptist said, He must increase and I must decrease. If I want to finish strong, because as we've said, you only begin a new season as well as you ended the previous. If I want to finish December strong and and start January even stronger, there's some areas in my life that I need to let Jesus increase and I need to decrease. See, my humility needs to increase. My love for God and, and for others needs to increase. My time with those that I love, God and others. My intentionality, the things that I do on purpose, those need to increase. My, my attention to the things that really matter, like the eternal things, not just the, the temporary things. The only thing that will outlive me is the influence that I have in relationships that needs to increase for me. My, my willingness to minister to others over ministering to myself, that needs to increase. And I could go on and on and on. And, and so, so many things that, that I need to make sure and increase in my life. My question for you today, and, and we're going to ponder on this and let it simmer and preach on it a little bit and then come back to it, is where does Jesus need to increase and you need to decrease in your life, in your heart, in your relationship with him and with others, because those are the things that are eternal. Where does Jesus need to increase and you need to decrease? January 7th, um, we're going we're gonna to begin uh, 21 days of, of just a focus on prayer and fasting. And, and fasting in Scripture, it was always, it always had to do with food in Scripture. But how many of you know that in Scripture, they didn't have TV? Come on, somebody. Like, they didn't have cell phone. Did you know if you take a cell phone away from a millennial, it has been studied by a university that if you take a cell phone away from a millennial, it's the same as someone coming off of a heroin addiction? That's a true story. So I like walk around and steal our staff's cell phone just to play games. Like, just go hide it and see what happens. Then I start texting. In them. They're looking. Yeah. Whatever it is, maybe for some social media. I, I really believe that Snapchat's probably one of the more dangerous things that we have on social media. And teenagers, if you have it, you need to open yourself up to the accountability of your parents, letting them look at your account and making sure that things don't disappear that you didn't need to be sending in the beginning. Because I promise you, I've already seen it happen. I've seen a teenager be arrested. Those things don't go away. All they've got to do is subpoena Snapchat for them and everything. You know the difference between I, uh, our day when I was a teenager and, and, and the teenagers today and the young people of today? Is that most people have forgotten about my past. But your past is being logged online. And everything that you do is going to come back up later on in life. So the habits that you form today is going to affect your future tomorrow. I'm telling you, you need some Jesus increase in your life. You need some self decrease in your life so that you don't continue to suffer the repercussions of the same thing over and over and over again because that mess don't go away. 
Jesus' ability to increase will reflect your willingness to decrease. That's why I'm like, okay, look, between now and January 1st, like I'm putting extra notches in my belt on purpose, okay? If, if I want to make it like a, a physical term, like I'm training for something, which I'm not, but I, I try to say that I am anyways, I just call this the bulking stage, okay? November to December, this is winter weight, man. I'm bulking right now, okay? This is what I'm doing. I work out at least a couple of days every week so that I can eat like this. <laughs> it makes no sense whatsoever. But on January 1st, that's going to be like the, the last supper for me, and I'm going to begin preparing my body for what God's leading me into on January 7th. And for 21 days, I'm not doing a diet, okay? For 21 days, I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast some things. Maybe it's food, just as a constant reminder that you can't have that and you need Him, okay? Whatever it is. Maybe it's social media or Facebook or television. As a family, we always fast television during that time. Did you know that I spend more time with my family and less time watching TV whenever I fasted on purpose? And I don't feel like I missed anything for 21 days. Like people tell me news I didn't know about, and I don't even care. It's amazing. Fast it. I don't care what it is, okay? If it has more time in your life than God has in your life, that thing is an idol, and you need to crucify it in January so that in 2018 it doesn't have the same impact that it had in 2017. I can promise you that Jesus' willingness to increase in your life will reflect your willingness to decrease. It will happen. He who humbles himself. Let me back up, because this is the warning, right? He who exalts himself will be humbled, right? But he who humbles himself, this is the promise. He who humbles himself, God will honor that. God will exalt when you're humble. God will, if you will humble yourself, then God will exalt you and he will use you to impact his kingdom. He will use you to impact other people. Um, a friend of mine, a pastor actually of mine, is um, a, a great guy. He, he's a little bit like me. He's just kind of, he's, he's very witty. Like, I'm a little bit witty. This brother, like, has a comeback for everything. Like, he was on, he's on his toenails, okay? I may be on my toes. He's on his toenails like a ballerina on point all the time. He's ready. And he was in this marathon he was training for. And, and it's just kind of a, a deal where God will humble you when you begin to kind of overexalt yourself, maybe. When he's in this marathon, I just got a cramp in my foot. What is going on? Uh... God, well, man, Lord, that is painful. I know, I'm sorry. She's looking at me with this crazy face. My toe's curling up on me. So he's in this marathon, and he's running. It's because I'm making fun of somebody running in a marathon. So he's in this marathon, and he's running, and he's got this video. He's doing a selfie video live on Facebook, and he's sweating, just pouring sweat. And he's just, oh, I've been running for so many hours, and, and this is the hardest thing. I'm telling you guys, this is the hardest thing I've ever done, but I'm going to finish. I, I, and he said I like 12 times within a 30-second stint, okay? In the middle of this video, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. I may find it and share it this week just for fun. In, in the middle of this video, he's filming and, and just talking about how difficult what he's doing is, but, but he's going to press on and press through. In the background, okay, I guess Santa Claus was in the off season because this 
uh, Mary, Mary fellow, okay, with a long beard and, and a tight white shirt that is now see-through because it's wet and some compression shorts that he should not have been wearing, okay? He comes, he comes jogging by. Like in the video, he's like, oh, oh. and this, old, this older guy, he's like jogging by and he looks. But here's the funniest part of this is that he comes jogging by and he's holding a leash. And on the end of this leash is seriously Tinkerbell's dog. It's a little chihuahua with a bell collar. And it's like running by. He's like, I'm dying. I'm telling you, this is the hardest thing. And this little dog's like, and looking. And he was humbled. Man, there were people started commenting and sharing and, and, and like sending this video all over the place. And it was not for the reason that he wanted it to be. It was because he was being humbled right there in that moment. He might not have even needed to be. Listen, I can promise you that when God starts using you, when you let God increase in your life and you decrease that there are going to be some things in your life that God's going to begin to prune away. And if you don't laugh, you're going to get left. You've got to laugh that thing off and praise God in the midst of that valley. When he cuts that thing away, he's going to take that thing off of you because that thing is the thing that's causing the hindrance of increase in your life. It's that thing that he needed to remove from you. And by the way, listen, don't be thinking about anybody else right now. Man, I wish so-and-so was here listening to this message. No, you are the light of God for so-and-so. And when so-and-so sees the light of God come through you and you operate in humility and conviction and stop pointing the finger at everybody else like the Pharisee and start praying like the tax collector, that's when revival will break out and people will follow you as you follow Christ and you will have the impact that he created you to have Christmas or Christ mass is a celebration of the promise of God come to pass it's just a celebration that the prophecy of Isaiah 9 6 has been fulfilled Advent which we talked about a little bit last week liturgical or non-liturgical it's just preparation of the celebration of that promise where you are preparing for what you're about to celebrate and you're making adjustments for what you're about to operate in. By the way, if Christmas is the proof, Advent's the preparation. I'm sorry, I missed it. Christmas is the promise and Advent's the preparation. Then Lent and Easter are the proof. The resurrection is the proof that he predicted his death and he was God. I'll share quickly just a little bit of biblical history. If, if you don't like history, tune in on purpose, okay? Walk with me down this timeline, okay? Abraham was given a promise. A thousand years later, David was on the throne, okay? And David would prophesy in the book of Psalms, about the Messiah that would come. The majority of the prophecies about the Messiah come from the book of Psalms. The, the next closest majority is in the book of Isaiah that's about 700 years before the Messiah came, okay? So 2,000 years from Abraham to Jesus, 1,000 years from the Psalms or the prophecies to Jesus, 700 years from Isaiah to Jesus, and then 400 years of absolute silence, 
Absolute silence between Malachi and Matthew. The people thought that God had just gone silent. Okay? Now, Jesus is born... And I'm not saying that this is like a conspiracy thing or that like Jesus is coming tomorrow or on a specific day or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just measuring the, the history, okay? About 400 years after Jesus is the dark ages where, again, it seems like God has gone silent. The dark ages, the 400, that lasted for about 1,000 years, Okay? And the Renaissance and the Industrial Movement and the Great Awakening and the Jesus Movement and all those things took place for about 700 years and we are almost right at 2,000 years from the time that the promise came. Okay, What does that tell us? The Old Testament people were waiting on the promise of the Messiah. They were waiting on His coming or arrival. They stood in between the promise given and the promise received. Are you with me? The Old Testament, the people, the men and women of the Old Testament stood in between the promise given 2,000 years earlier, come on somebody, and the promise received at 0 AD or 0 BC. The apostles saw the promise received. They walked and lived and breathed with the Messiah. They saw that promise received, but they prophesied a new promise of the Messiah. Not just had come, but that He's coming back. He didn't just come and be received, but He went to His Father to prepare a place for me so that He could return and receive me on His way back. We now stand in between the proof of His resurrection and the promise of his return. So, so the return and the history behind all of that, what does that teach us? That we need to be alert and we need to watch, pray, and prepare. That we need to lead as many people as we can all along the way. We need to stop guessing days and just follow Jesus. We can learn from history so that we can live his story. That's all we get from it. We are seeing it repeat itself again. The proof of the promise, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. You follow along on the screen. If you don't have that, verse 1 says, At that time, the Roman emperor, hold on, Isaiah, you said the government was going to be established upon his shoulder. But Isaiah wasn't talking about an earthly government. Because it is clear that the Romans ruled the earth when Jesus was born. And when Jesus was born, the only thing that changed was in the heavens. But how many of you understand? Every time heaven turns a page, you better get ready because something on earth is about to happen. Augustus decreed that at a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. Now, this was the first census when that guy was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. All right, now catch this, verse 4. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David. Man, I wish I had time to preach this. But what you need to understand is that Joseph shouldn't have been a carpenter in Nazareth. Joseph's rightful place was as the king of Israel, 
The only problem is Israel didn't have the influence that they were supposed to have because they didn't operate in the obedience to the voice of God. Hello, America. David, Joseph had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. All those things are prophecy of where the Messiah would come from. Verse 5, he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. Okay, listen, even 2,000 years later, we know that's a problem, right? Okay, that's a problem for the church, not a problem for me. I love you. If you're engaged and pregnant, I will bless you and love you and your baby and help you get on the right path with God. And I don't believe that your situation is, 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 is the thing that's going to bind you or hold you back. But for Mary, she should have been stoned because she was pregnant outside of wedlock, according to the law. Well, thank God Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And we see him with the woman caught in the act of adultery saying, woman, if nobody else, where are your offenders? Where, where are your persecutors? Well, if they don't persecute you, then neither do I. Your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. And that's what we get to operate here. But Mary didn't have that choice because she was carrying the Messiah. She was expecting child, verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. Notice they were there, okay? They didn't come into town frantically looking for a room. They were there. They had descendants there. They had family there. They knew people there. But while they were there, the time came for her to have a baby, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly. And I had fun with that word earlier. That's why I like the New Living. I mean, only the New Living says snugly. <laughs> she wrapped him snugly in the cloth, okay? It's like this is the king of the universe being wrapped snugly in a blanket. But, but you mamas, listen, you guys know how important this was to make that baby comfortable that had just come out of the womb. And, and it was so important to this mama that every time that the baby needed to be snugglied or swaddled, I would be handed the baby because I could make that V thing, wrap, tuck, flip, fold, pull, and that baby would go, <laughs> and then I would be like, yes, I did it again. And I would hold the baby snugly for about 30 seconds until mom was like, okay, give her back, give her back, give her back. Or somebody else, or Bibi, or Gran, or one of the other grandmas, they would, give me the baby, give me the baby. I'm like, no, it's mine. I just wrapped it snugly, okay? It's my baby. This is what they did with Jesus. In strips of cloth, and they laid him, listen, they didn't lay him in a crib in the palace. Not because that wasn't God's will, but because the Israelites had not been obedient. They didn't have the influence. And when you're not obedient to the voice of God, you don't have the influence of the will of God. So the Son of God, instead of being placed in a carriage in a palace, was placed in a manger of a stable or a cave because nobody else wanted them in their house. Nobody else wanted that issue or that. Can you imagine all of the people that could have welcomed Mary in on that day, but began to shoo her out because of her situation? Okay, before we start judging Israel too much, church, wake up. Because there are some sons and some daughters potentially being prepared for the kingdom of God. And they may not look like what you wanted them to look like. 
They may not have what you wanted them to have. They may not be what you think they should be. But they are ordained by God, from God, for a purpose. And we as the church should do nothing less than make room for them wherever they are in their relationship whatever they're carrying in whatever luggage they may be dragging along whatever direction they may think they're going on our job as the church our job as the people of God is not to send them on to the next thing and let God provide for them our job is to rise up and make room if there's not a table build one if there's not a seat move somebody make a space for the people that are potentially a part of the kingdom of God. A couple of weeks ago, and I'm closing if you guys want to join me. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we were, uh, my, my seven-year-old is, she's just like very particular, okay? And I kind of am when I'm doing stuff, but, but not like her. Like if I was late for school, so be it, okay? Like that was maybe just God's will that day. I'd make stuff up just to be late for school. Like, I would come up with whatever I could come up with to sleep just a little bit longer. Not Adeline, okay? Adeline wakes up at 7, sometimes 6.30. In fact, if I'm up before her, I can look in her room, and she is sitting in the bed. I don't know if she has, like, an in, like a clock somewhere or what, but if it gets to be 7.03, she's coming in the room, and she's going to the, the closest side of the bed. That was strategic, by the way. The closest side of the bed where her mama is. And she's going to tap and say, Mama, it's 7.03. Okay? Like every day. It doesn't matter what time. It's 7.03. We need to get up. You need to get up. Get up. Okay, baby. It's okay. No. Get up, Mama. It's 7.05 now. Okay? She's very specific. She's got to get dressed. She's got to get ready. And at 7.45, she's standing at the door with her backpack, rushing us, like, come on, I'm going to be late, okay? So daddy's taking her to school, and, and daddy's just not quite as concerned as, as Adeline is. And so we get in the truck, it's like 7.55, freaking out, like losing her mind, I'm trying to pray with them. I do the little thing. I'm like, all right, put your hand in my hand. Let's pray. She's like, Daddy, just go. Just go. Drive the truck. You know? <laughs> I'm like, okay, okay. Let me just pray over you. Just pay attention and get me. I mean, she's, she's like, we're going to be late. We're going to be late. And I'm like, just say your declaration, girl. And she's, we're doing all this stuff. And, and I finally, she whined enough, and she was so concerned about it. And I said, Adeline, you are with Daddy. You're with daddy. As long as you're with me, if anything comes up, I'm going to deal with it. You're not going to get in trouble. I'm going to take care of it. And immediately, I said, I hear you. I hear you. Mary and Joseph should have been shunned and ashamed. Mary should have been murdered. She should have been stoned for being pregnant outside of wedlock. But she was with daddy. Joseph should have been ashamed for being a carpenter in Nazareth instead of the rightful heir to the throne of David. His 
his girlfriend, his engaged fiance is pregnant and he knows he wasn't the one that did it. He should have been ashamed and broken over it, but he wasn't. He was destined because he was with daddy. Anything that needs to be dealt with, daddy's going to deal with it. Now, we have to be ready. We have to be prepared. We have to be obedient. We have to get in the truck. We have to get out of the truck. we got to do what he says. We've got to abide in him and in his word. But as long as my baby was with daddy, she didn't have to worry. As long as Mary was obedient to daddy, she didn't have to worry. If God had to send 10,000 angels, oh, by the way, the night that her son was born, all of heaven came down and began to sing a chorus of hallelujah just to make sure that everybody saw the light that God put in the sky because stars don't went, okay? That thing had to be from God because God was making sure that everybody knew that these are my children and they're birthing my baby and I have a plan and a purpose. When we stay with the Father, He increases and we decrease. He is our peace. Watch this. What should have been hopeless is actually the hope to all the world. What feels like persecution, what feels like a valley is actually the promise of God coming to pass in and through us. What should have destroyed us, what should have been the death of us, actually becomes the destiny that we walk in that other people get to follow and be a part of. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7 says, of the increase, not just yesterday, the testimony of years past, what new hope used to do, what you used to do, but what God has for you in the increase, the government and the peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David. David's throne was already over. Oh no, sir, it's of the increase. It's going to be established again. What you thought was dead, buried, and gone is of the increase. It's tomorrow's testimony. What you thought was hurt, broken, and unusable is of the increase. It's to be restored and a part of God's will and His story in your life to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice. Watch from that time forward to today. And as long as we stand in the in-between, even forever, God is not done. He's not finished. We're in between. What are we in between? Matthew 24, 30. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heaven. See, last time the Son of Man appended, appeared on the earth. But next time, the sign of the Son of Man is going to appear in the heaven. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man come and increase on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Increase. 31. And He will send His angels with a great sound of a trumpet. They're not going to sin, sing hallelujah. They're going to declare the word of the Lord. And they will gather together His elect from the four winds from one end of the earth then to the heavens to the other. Increase. Paul writes about it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord 
Lord himself. No more angels. No more signs. No more sickness. No more sorrow. For Jesus himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Whose trumpet is it? Ain't no angel blowing the trumpet of the Lord. No angel's going to usher in his presence. No dream or vision will be necessary. You will be able to see with your physical eyes the trump of Jesus Christ being shofared across all of heaven and all of earth as he ushers in his own presence. The trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17, then we those who are part of the increase, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. From that time forward, even forever, increase. This Christmas increase this new year increase 2018 don't you be satisfied with yesterday's testimony don't you be satisfied with somebody else's worship increase for when we increase we recognize that Christmas is the promise Advent is the preparation but Jesus is the increase. Jesus is our peace. Mountain, valley, east, west, north, south, pain, sorrow, joy, and celebration. Jesus. The Messiah has come and he is coming back. We stand in the in-between with this hope as an anchor increase Father I pray right now that you would move freely in this room Lord I pray that you would begin to minister to every heart in this place and I pray that we would do the difficult thing and evaluate where we stand to the one whose government has been established shall increase and never end to the one whose peace has been revealed shall increase and never end can I ask you the first question today where do you stand with Jesus have you received his salvation are you confident that your sins are forgiven and that he has your life or do you need to make that right if you want to make that right today, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you'd say, Pastor, I want to be included in that prayer. I want to make that right. I want to leave here confident where I stand in Jesus because I'm not sure. Would you just lift your hand right there where you are and say, that's me. I want to be included in that prayer. Anybody? Thank you. I see you. Anybody else? Come on, every Sunday, don't miss what the Lord is doing. I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? I just want to know. Thank you. I see you. I want to receive salvation today. Include me in the prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you come up in front of me. I'm not going to make you do anything that you don't want to do. I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I see you. I see you. I need to receive salvation. I need to rededicate my life to God. Is that you? Maybe you've received before, but you just need to recommit. Reestablish. Say, Pastor, that's me. 
Church, would you pray with me today and all of these who have raised their hand, pray this prayer out loud with me, if you will. Jesus, forgive me for all the times that I fall short, the things I've messed up, the mistakes I've made in the past. Cleanse me. Save me. Take my life. Make it yours. Help me to grow in a new relationship and never be satisfied with anything less than your absolute best. May I follow you with all of my heart from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hang on, hang on. Before you move, now, because before anything else, we've got to establish that Jesus has us, that we've given it to him. Now, I want you to pray one more prayer. Everybody in the room, including myself, our staff, our leaders, I want you to ask the Lord, God, where do you want me to increase? Where do you need to increase in my life? Where do I need to decrease? What do I need to do differently? Ask him. You don't need me to pray over you. I'm going to do that for myself. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. Come on, ask him, Jesus, where do you need to increase in my life? Where do I need to decrease? Let him speak. Give him a few minutes. And here's what I want you to do before we leave here today. Because remember, you'll only begin a new season as well as you ended the previous. Barring a supernatural moment, which God can have at any point. But since you asked him, and he probably told you a couple of things, right there where you are, because we have two minutes before we are technically supposed to let you go. Open up your phone, grab a piece of paper, grab a pen on one of those passages that you had your Bible open to. And right now, I want everybody in the room to write down one thing, one thing that you could do differently. Phone, pen. In the first service, our staff was writing, our elders were writing, our board members were writing. Listen, we're no better than you. We're with you in this. We're all, either all of us are going to increase or none of us are. We're going to do this thing together. Write down just one area, maybe two or three things, two or three things that you could begin to do differently right now without, because we're not making resolutions in 2018. We're making recommitments in 2017 that are going to carry us further than we would have gone if we hadn't made them. So just write them down. But where do you need to increase? Where do I need to decrease? Type them down in your notes and save them somewhere in a file. If you're married, I'd encourage you to share it with your spouse, your significant other. If you're not, it's okay. Jesus has you. You're the bride of Christ. He's the father to the fatherless. You don't need that. If you have it, share it. Tell somebody. Be accountable to it. The Bible says confess. Why? Confess your sins one to another. Why? So that you can overcome them. Not just so that you can be forgiven. You can be forgiven when you confess your sins to Jesus. You can overcome them when you confess them to somebody else. 
by the word of your testimony. Blood of the lamb, absolutely. But the word of your testimony, you'll overcome. Write those things down, two or three things that you can do differently this afternoon, this week. Two or three things that need to change, that you need to work on. Remember, if you're with daddy, don't have to worry. But he is going to give you some things to do. Just be obedient. Come on, stand with us all over the sanctuary. If you're still writing some things down, that's fine. Finish that up. Hey, listen, I want you to take this time. If you raised your hand and you prayed and you asked Jesus into your heart or you rededicated your heart to Jesus, even if you didn't raise your hand but you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to do us a huge favor. Just write your name down on that connect card in front of you. Write your name down on it and let us know the decision that you made so that we can pray with you and that we can maybe connect with you to make sure that you take some of the next steps and we connect and and make sure that we partner with you because we don't want this to just be a moment. We don't want this to just be a decision. We want it to be some distance that you begin to grow and increase in your life. Take the time to do that right now. If you're still writing, complete those things. We're doing a practical principle today that's gonna make a difference. Hey, I want you to do me one more favor. If you're in the room today, you're comfortable with it, you can just hold out your hands real low like I'm handing you a gift. It's Christmas time. I wanna pray a blessing over you. I do it every Sunday, but hey, it makes it sound better when it's Christmas. Jesus, I thank you, and I pray that you would bless your people and make them make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lord, would you lift up your countenance upon every person in the room and help us this year, unlike any other, to experience the peace that surpasses all understanding that only comes from you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come upon us and that you would help us to increase and grow in our relationship with you like never before. Help us to be obedient to the things that you've spoken to us and help us to work on those things and grow in those things. Take away anything that needs to be removed and replace it with the things that need to belong. God, I pray that you would bless our going and our coming. Holy Spirit, come into our hearts and our lives and empower us to be an example and a witness for you. Help us to follow you with all of our heart for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. Hey, come back tonight at six o'clock and bring somebody with you.